0: You're listening to a rock candy podcast.
1: This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. For more shows like this one, Go to rockcandyrecordings.com. All right. As always, I have to thank my patrons before we get started. My patrons are my personal lords and saviors. This show is not possible without their help. So if you love this show and the blog, if you look forward to Sacred Tension every single week, please consider joining their number by going to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. There's also a link in the show notes. Uh, You can buy me for just $1 a month. I'm a very, very cheap sell, but it helps enormously. So if you have any spare cash, please throw it to your favorite podcaster. And so for this week, I have to thank Wednesday Wretch, Kane Nevermore, Scott, Denom, and ven winter i also have to say all of my patrons sound like magical creatures which i really appreciate as well um so the more magical the name the the better of course, a lot of us are struggling financially and you might just you might just not have the margin to be able to support a creator financially and if that is the case, I completely understand. One of the best ways to support this show is to leave five stars on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify that tells our digital overlords that this show is worth sharing with others. It will show up on their home screen, the For You section on their podcast app. So please leave five stars. And then on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a little review. If you do, I will read it on the show as thanks. And finally, this show is sponsored by the satanictemple.tv. The Satanic Temple has an amazingly creative and interesting community, and on TST TV, there is all kinds of stuff. There is a Satanic puppet show called Dear Satan. There is a cooking show. There are feature-length films about bizarre things like trepanation and... Uh, Anton LaVey and Genesis P. Orage and all kinds of weird countercultural underground stuff as well as occult rituals, live streams, et cetera, et cetera. So if all of that interests you, then please use my promo code SACREDTENSION, all caps, no space at checkout, and you will get one month free. All right. I think that's it. Sister Zither, thank you so much for joining me. How are you?
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm great. I'm really excited to talk to you.
1: So um, you appeared on my radar because you are one of our ministers in the Satanic Temple. So you are a fellow minister and you led a service for, I believe it was the Tuesday night services. And it was a fantastic service where you talked about your expertise, which is monasticism and combining monasticism with Satanism. And this is an area of particular passion for me. I am incredibly passionate about contemplative life, in part because it has been a lifesaver for me. It, it has been one of the pillars of my well-being and my functionality in the world is contemplative life. And um, I think it's really important for our very young community to explore this as well. So tell us some about who you are and what you do and, and your uh, interest in this subject.
0: Yeah, um, well, I just also want to say, uh, before I jump into that, I'm so glad that we have services the way we do, where it's panel-based, it's community-based, and we are a young religion, and uh, I think uh, having these discussions will help all of this grow in really interesting ways. Um, so i'm I'm indeed a Minister with TST. Uh, my academic background led me into interest in uh, monasticism. My particular specialization is a secular and sacred property law related to thirteenth century female mendicant communities. So that's really specific. And also um, uh, representations of monasticism in popular culture, which is much more uh, modern perspective. Because I have this sort of like very, very, very dawn of Christian monasticism perspective, high medieval perspective and the contemporary popular culture perspective, I feel like I... For me, monasticism is a, a living, growing, evolving thing. And going back to the service, I think I made a huge mistake that I talked about monasticism and not monasticisms uh, with the the plural in there, because I think... Um, because of the popular culture perspective, a lot of people come at the concept with uh, very narrow ideas. Um, if we think about like people who saw the name of the Rose movie or something like that, when in reality, and you'll know this uh, from your diverse uh, origins of practice, there's many types of monasticism in many directions to go, and we can create new things as we wish.
1: So in as succinct a way as possible, which might not be possible, because as you just said, there are many monasticisms. But what is monasticism?
0: So if I were to make a really quick overview of monasticisms, you can have monastic, which is based on solitude. You can have apotactile which is uh setting apart oneself you can have an anchorite which is withdrawn so just s- instead of set apart these are the ones that like close themselves into the wall or, or what have you yeah Hildegard von are, uh, Yeah, for example for example there's yeah. there's a lot of uh famous examples uh, that gets into really interesting concepts of mysticism that's mm. uh rather um Uh, practice, rather, definition. Um, Cenobitic uh, monastics uh, are community-based, which I think is a really interesting direction, and ascetic uh, monasticism is based on discipline, um, which or doesn't have to be Separated, And those are kind of the, the European Christian models that we can draw from, but there's really a lot more. There's basically two uh, vectors of uh, defining monasticism. One is some sort of withdrawal or renunciation, and the other one is some sort of uh, routinization or ritualization. So uh, some factor that separates a person and the other one that turns activities into intentional activities imbued with more. More meaning than normal. So this this kind of represents kind as succinctly as possible the range that we can fill with uh, different practices.
1: I love this. Okay, so it's like I've been playing Elden Ring lately, and so this is at the beginning of the the choose your character. You can like choose, you know, the prophet or the samurai or the or or the uh, uh, astrologer or whatever. Okay, so these this is your your character panel. These are your types of monastics, Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, and. Namoo during the service who is a friend of mine and and a mm-hmm. uh, very smart guy he yeah. summed up his understanding of monasticism i think as a discipline and a boundary
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and, and that's
0: yeah mm-hmm. well
1: well in in like a very just broad basic sense mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. a discipline so some for for some people that could be very intense. Like you know, there were the the monastics in in uh, in Ireland who would you know do you know. B- pray while in bitter cold water and, you know, just like brutal, brutal stuff, basically like praying while waterboarding themselves and shit like that, right? So you have very brutal practices and then you have less brutal, less abusive practices like maybe meditating for a certain period of time each day or uh, doing some ascetic practice each day. And then you have a boundary Which is kind of shutting, shutting off a a part of the mundane world, the 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 everyday. This thing that that maybe a lot of people take for granted that you are choosing to no longer take for granted and cut off from your life as a for a period of time or whatever. Would you say that that's accurate?
0: Yeah, I think that's a a perfectly fine, like, working definition. And I think the only thing I would maybe add to that is the sense of time. A lot of people think that to be monastic or to engage in these intentional uh, separate activities needs to be a permanent commitment, when actually a lot of practices in monasticism, you can pop in and out for the weekend. In Greek Orthodoxy, uh, some of the monasteries allow like short-term visitors. There's nothing wrong with having a monastic afternoon, and then you (laughs) return to the world (laughs) afterwards. Um, It in no way decreases the level of the effect Uh, It's rather fitting it into what works.
1: Mm. Now, so you covered kind of the range of monasticisms Mm -hmm. within the Christian world and in the West. Is there a different set? Is there a different typology that you find in uh, maybe Buddhist or Hindu traditions?
0: Yeah, so the basic uh, factors of withdrawal and ritualization and these sorts of things uh, taken in in whatever term you like, those are kind of the basic factors that create uh, the monastic as being someone separate from the other practitioners in society. I'm particularly interested within the range of TST, what do early forms of monasticism look like in different religions? There are things that could be identified as something like monastic adjacent practices in Jainism or even in uh, Judaism. Buddhism obviously has monasticism. And uh, different types of uh, European or Mediterranean uh, monasticism has gone through multiple evolutions, been praised, been declared heretical. We also, I don't think, need to be at all limited to Something that exists in our history, if you want to draw your monastic inspiration from anyone from the Bene Gesserit to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, like anything. I love uh, that. Sci fi works. Mm -hmm. Yes,
1: it does. Because so Satanism is an invented religion. I'm so glad you Mm -hmm. bring that up because Satanism Mm -hmm. is an invented religion. And we can draw from all kinds of sources. Saying, like, I have friends who draw from Anathem. Uh, Neil Stevenson's mm-hmm. novel, which is like, mm-hmm. which is a book about like scientific, academic monasticism. So, why through history have people been drawn to monasticism? Why is this a drive that we see consistently? Maybe we don't see it consistently. Maybe there are cultures where it doesn't exist. But, but why is it that this is something that that people are drawn to?
0: Mm-hmm. That's a that's a great question. You know, I I would like to just start with a caveat that I don't think religions need monasticism. I don't think TST needs monasticism. That said, uh, it's a tool in a toolkit, and it could be an interesting tool to have around, and it will be an interesting tool for a very specific um, type of practitioner, either for one part of their life uh, for a limited trial, let's say, um, or something that they want to incorporate longer term. As to a why, I think that really depends on the type of practice they're trying to heighten um, and how they want to go about heightening that, which has as many possible answers as there are people who would choose to engage. It's basically anyone who wants to do something to consciously, intentionally um, heighten their practice for a certain amount of time through these concepts of uh uh, delineation of space, be it physical or mental, and some sort of intentionality in, in changing one's practice to highlight it, or to heighten it.
1: So, so would you say that people are people might be drawn to monasticism because they realize, oh, there is something I like. I need to work on in my life. You know, I I can't think. Life is too loud right now. Or here is this mm. character flaw that, or something that i feel like me m- might be a character flaw maybe i lose my mind in traffic or whatever it might be and mm-hmm. so i'm going to withdraw in a particular way to mm-hmm. heighten my development in some way
0: mm-hmm. and it uh definitely i I'm, I'm a little bit afraid that american i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna Bully American society for a, please little, a minute. Please so bully sorry. us.
1: We we deserve it. So have at it.
0: <laughs> Um, Just that uh, there is a a drive, and I think a large pressure to improve oneself, and I'm making scare quotes here, this drive for improvement. And I do think when we're talking about monasticism, there are awful forms of monasticism, terrible forms of monasticism that should not be used as a model, I, I don't think. And I think they're natural outgrowths of just... Um, sacred anorexia, for example, or the crusades, for example, or the entire Jesuit uh, order, for example. So there's um, extremely problematic behaviors that come out with a drive towards what is perceived as a better state or an improved state. And I would maybe even approach uh, monasticism in a way that does not aim for an improved state, but just rather an increase of intentionality, be that leading to improvement, or you know, not. Like, uh, if you need to take a nap, like, take a nap. Are you going to be an improved person afterwards? Maybe. Maybe not, um but maybe that nap was necessary maybe that meditation is necessary for that moment but i i'm I'm worried when we start looking at goals of improvement or, or things like that not saying that people can't use that obviously like tool in the toolkit um but i would I would hate to pigeonhole the whole concept of monasticisms as being something towards improvement
1: I'm so glad you brought that up because you're exactly right there's kind of this fetishizing of uh, uh, a, 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 or an obsessive uh, fixation on self-improvement. And one of the forms of meditation or one of the approaches to meditation that I have found particularly helpful lately is the direct approach of realizing, oh, the nature of my consciousness is already open. The nature of my mm-hmm. consciousness, like right now, right here in this space, there's nothing to arrive to. There's nothing to arrive at. I am simply an, an open, present being, and I can be attentive to that or not. The mm-hmm. and uh, and and so there isn't this this striving. There isn't this this obsessive clinging striving. Whatever mm-hmm. you know, that was the nature of my meditation for so long. Especially when I was a yogi, when I was in the yoga world, there was this 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 striving need to attain some kind of perfection, mm-hmm. and it was very destructive. So I'm really glad that mm-hmm. you bring that. I'm really glad that you bring that up. So, now that we have done like a very cursory overview of of monasticism, how might we explore this within a satanic context? And I ask that fully acknowledging that that is the most wide open question possible. Like the the, the options are endless. The the options are are, uh, are are infinite. But how, how might we begin to explore monasticism in a satanic setting?
0: And of course, that's like the starting point, right? Uh, exactly. Which is one reason why I wanted to do the service and why I'm so excited to talk with you is I think this is an idea that's going to just grow on its own and i can't even i can't even comprehend the things that other people will come up with and in that sense i think the people experimenting and and trying out things and seeing what works for them will be a fantastic uh, experiment and light on what are possible practices that us talking, it sounds like you you have a very developed practice and that's something that you've developed really over time. And as you've cultivated these things and as as I've culted, cultivated my ideas and, and my notions about what is a practice or what's not, I've closed a lot of doors doing that. And I'm really excited to see what people come up with when they haven't gone through years of narrowing a path and closing doors and Mm. and things like that
1: yeah so when you say closing doors do you mean like limiting your the the options in your own personal life or how to express monasticism you're, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah no Because
0: I I yeah, go ahead. No, no, no,
1: no, please go on.
0: Oh, I was I was just going to say I've cultivated my own practice and I've been thinking about it for um uh the amount of years that I I have been thinking about it and I find it really hard the further you walk down a certain road to remember the origin of the road or remember all the options that were there. I, I don't know if you have a similar experience since you've also like uh, invested massive time and energy into cultivating your practices. If someone uh, brought you the idea of satanic sandcastle building to accept the inevitable demise of something, something, it's a great idea, satanic sandcastle building to accept the impermanence of reality, but it, it might not be the first thing that comes to mind because you might be drawing more on the things you know so well
1: yeah you're absolutely right about that because I I, I would say that I'm actually very traditional in mm. my practice and so I was previously a Christian of course and I would pray the Rosary and I would um, pray the Book of Common Prayer which both of which I think are really extraordinary technologies in a specific sense you know and it, mm. and they aren't useful for everyone, but they were very useful for me. And so then when I became a Satanist, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take those types of practices and refashion them in my own way mm-hmm. for my own Satanic practice. And so I developed a what I call a satanic root document, which is like my own book of common prayer. And I've been working on it for years. And then I touch base with that document every single day, but it's Mm. rooted in a very traditional concept, which is, you know, having like this core document, the book of common prayer that you return to again Mm -hmm. and again and again and again, every single day. And so something like satanic castle building would not even occur to me because I am very limited to a like modifying those traditional practices.
0: There's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but also when I'm when I'm thinking about the how are we going to start? Where where to start? I I feel totally unequipped uh, to weigh in on that at all, just because I am so limited. Because I have hyper specialized, and I'm just completely deformed uh, in in that way. <laughs> so uh, I'm 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 only going to have bad answers basically, because I can't have useful answers for that because I don't have that freshness uh, to the topic.
1: Mm. and what does if I may ask what does your own practice look like
0: uh yeah so I'm also uh uh tragically uh, in uh, I, okay okay it's not tragic very traditional <laughs> yes. um I'm I'm heavily influenced uh, by things that already are things that have already been established within uh other monastic practices and things like that all I've done is satanitize them um and so Uh, This this includes doing away with chastity clearly, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, the
1: opposite of vows of chastity. (laughs) Fuck vows of chastity. And and, you know actually I don't I do not mean to derail you at all. But sure, sure. My my partner is an ex Jesuit Mm -hmm. novice,
0: Mm -hmm. and. um,
1: Mm And so you want to talk about the Jesuits and how fucked up mm-hmm. the Jesuits are. we can definitely talk about that later and <laughs> but anyway, I'm sorry, go on oh
0: man yeah yeah um, no no exactly so like uh, there, so for me coming also from uh, an already established like knowledge of monastic backgrounds, there's extra pleasure in inverting and blasphemizing on top of that which someone who if they're not coming from a Christian background or if they're not informed about that there's no joy in being like I'm going to be extra unchaste today. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas, like um, that is uh, a, a joy of practice, or or um, this idea of instead of uh, doing the monastic reading and the monastic forms of submission, the opposite of that to invert that very intentionally and things like that. And I feel like that's not transferable to everyone. Uh, That's a very specific flavor that's uh, built on my pleasure of knowing what I know about existing practices and knowing how much it would piss people off if they could Mm -hmm. see what I'm doing. So,
1: Yeah, absolutely. um. I love that. And so we have kind of satanic inverted monasticism, and I think that's fabulous, kind of extending the black mass into life, in other words, which I think is really, really cool as a concept. And it sounds like your expertise is in Christian monasticism in particular.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: What is that relationship to Christianity like for you as a Satanist right now?
0: Mm, if, if uh... that, and I know
1: that's another very, very broad question, but, you know, I have a Mm-hmm. And, and let me just preface it, mm-hmm. preface, preface that question with my own experience, which is mm-hmm. I have this intense love-hate relationship with Christianity. And I, I don't consider myself anti-Christian, but I consider myself anti-authoritarian. There's a lot of abuse of authoritarianism within Christianity. And yet I am post-Christian in the sense that I am deeply informed by mm-hmm. Christian theology and my Christian background so it's mm. it's it's a weird complicated uh, relationship and I'm just really curious about your relationship to Christianity as a Satanist who studies Christian monasticism, <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. And actually, uh, as my Satanism developed, I found my relationship to my work to be uh, more and more fraught. I was actually working on a project uh, to translate and annotate a saint's life, and I couldn't bring myself to finish it because I don't want to work with the people I would need to work with Mm -hmm. in order to get a, a translated saint's life published. Like, I... There's this weird phenomena specifically in medieval studies or in theological studies where if you're a Christian working on a Christian topic, it's a non-issue. It's just natural. It might even be to your benefit to be somewhat of an insider, informed, or to be openly a believer. But should you be atheistic uh, studying Christian topics, you're always kind of held at arm's length that you're not really handling it right or you're not being sensitive enough or blah, 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 blah. And uh, should one openly be satanic studying uh, uh, comparative religious aspects or something like that, or dare, dare anyone who is not Christian study a Christian topic and comment on it, uh, that would require, oh, well, you need a, a statement of positionality and you need to be extremely clear about how you are biased in your presentation and da 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 And this also brings up really interesting questions. We would like to get more scholarship on TST, on satanic issues. It would be awesome to have a bit more scholarship done on and properly written up on uh, satanic theology, modern R satanic theology. Can a satanist do that and be accepted by the academy, or is it going to come off as uh, auto-ethnographic navel-gazing? Will it be accepted? Because Christians, uh, open and out, and vocal Christians are very well accepted in that. So, For me, I I found the more I go down uh, satanic development, the more problematic I find it to do work, which this will sound very, very uh, maybe vengeful, but do work that works directly with, for example, monastic orders in a way that directly benefits monastic orders when I intend to critique them. Um, and especially when I can't openly act from my role.
1: I feel like I have an experience that kind of rhymes with that, which Mm. is my experience in the yoga world, where Mm. I'm so glad that COVID came at the time that it did. Uh, (laughs) that, That sounds terrible, but I was already planning my escape from the yoga world because more and more I felt like I was an enabler of the pseudoscience by working in various settings where I did not feel like I could voice criticism and in not being able to voice criticism of, say, anti-vax or very pseudoscientific and, frankly, dangerous fake cures, medical cures, kind of pseudoscientific thinking, which can really destroy people in the long run, financially and physically. Yes. And just feeling like I was unable to, to criticize that in any meaningful way. I feel like if I could voice my opinion, I would have been content to remain in the yoga world. But mm. I couldn't. I, I mm-hmm. felt like I, it would have been heretical In a in a way that that just would have made it unsustainable. And so I ended up leaving. Now I am focusing much more on just seated meditation, a seated meditation practice, because frankly, I find the meditation world far more sound scientifically Mm. Um, Mm. far more aligned with, uh, and that isn't necessarily true in every case, of course, but just far more aligned with the current science than the yoga Mm -hmm. world. And so I, Mm -hmm. I feel like I can, in my own way, relate to that fraught (laughs) relationship with your field,
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, and I think it's not limited to any one field. I think it's a larger phenomenon that comes from that Christian hegemony and that Christian like control of so many narratives. And it's so hard to push back on that. It will be really interesting. There's only been a couple of calls for papers out for things related to modern Satanism. And with tentative prodding, I, I noticed that most scholars working on it are working on it because it's a niche topic that has not yet been thoroughly explored. But they are not Uh, Insiders, and this is not saying that it's a benefit to be an insider, but if so much theological writing has been done by people from within a religion, I would really like to see how that develops when we're talking about, um, uh, for example, TST flavor Satanism. uh, If there's space for uh, internal folks to voice their opinion, and how will that be treated after? Uh, so many years of standardizing how we approach other religions and other religious research hmm. and these are very vanilla like calls for papers of of like uh, satanism and feminism and popular culture and things like that and everyone's <laughs> like oh cool i'm gonna write about satan and commercials or something like that and it's cool it's just it'll be interesting to see where that goes if
1: it actually touches on the religious community in other words, is, is I think what I'm hearing you say there. Yeah. It's like
0: a little bit of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, one of the ways that I like to think about, uh, uh, monasticism is similar to how I think about ritual. And of course there's a lot of overlap here, but I think Shiva honey has a pretty healthy approach to, and everyone can Listen to my interviews with Shiva Honey. She's on semi regularly to talk about ritual and whatnot. But she says, you know, different strokes for different folks, and some people they they really fucking love ritual. I ha- actually personally happen to not really be one of those people. I um, I do have rituals, of course, but they're they're much more contemplative in nature. They're much less. Uh, they, they don't have props. They don't have, you can see my altar back here. That's the (laughs) only prop I have. And right now it's covered in books. So I, (laughs) I I have a very neglected ritual practice, but that, but I don't necessarily feel a need for like a a daily or weekly, uh, Mm -hmm. ritual practice that involves, um, kind of that emotional catharsis and, and, and the symbolic acts and all of that kind of stuff. But a lot of people love it. And that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And we have space to explore ritual individually and publicly, right? Individually and and communally. And and then for people who just aren't into it, it's like, yeah, just go smoke a cigarette while everyone else is doing <laughs> the black mass or whatever, right? And, and that's great. And TST has space for all of that, <laughs> that for, for that whole spectrum. Like, you know, just mm-hmm. go drink a beer while while all the other Satanists are doing the Black Mass or or the destruction mm. ritual. And, mm-hmm. uh, and if it isn't your thing, then that's fine. And I see monasticism mm-hmm. in a similar mm-hmm. light, if that makes sense. It's like it's a tool that is available to us and some people won't resonate with it. And that's great. And then others will. And that's also fantastic.
0: Yeah. I think the only thing I would be prescriptive about is uh, being prescriptive on the... Um, mm, Uh, pitfalls to avoid, I would be vehemently anti-guru. I would oh, be vehemently, yes. vehemently, yeah, and you know, from the yoga world, guruism is just. Let's mm,
1: let's definitely mm. talk about that in a minute. So, so you would be vehement, mm. vehemently the I can't say that word. <laughs> let say strongly. I can't strongly. say it either. <laughs> strongly. You, so you are strong. Yeah, you would be strongly opposed to guruism. Okay, so so yeah. insights from monasticism of what not to do mm-hmm. in a religious uh, setting, mm-hmm. right? So it mm-hmm. sounds like guruism is one of those things is there anything else that would be prescriptive for you
0: oh my god yes uh strongly anti-guru strongly anti-dogma because uh that's that's just mm, that's not going to go anywhere good uh strongly unholier than thou arms race and this is particularly a problem (laughs) with asceticism yes you know what i mean right
1: yes absolutely
0: yeah Yeah. So that that could go so, so poorly and strongly anti-shame. Just uh, as soon as we start um, talking about practice or sharing practices and things like that, that opens up a lot of vulnerabilities and there needs to be a very strong message of like uh, your practice is your practice, like shame free. Um, we're not setting uh, any sort of correct practice incorrect practice. It's it's hard though because uh, even with traditional monasticism, again this asceticism and things like that it, it gets into a lot of uh, honestly self-destructive behaviors which uh, some people I can see people working in kink I can see people working in uh, a lot of um, very specific uh, restrictive uh, behaviors for example and there will have to be conversations about um where's where's the line on that not not to shame but also um not to get that uh, arms race or not to get like destructive monasticism has huge potential to become destructive as we've seen uh, uh, in actual practice with people
1: again and again and again yeah so I mean, for example, my, my partner, I won't go into details, um, mm. because it's his story, but mm. he experienced some looking back on it, just, just straight up abuse in, in the monastic world, just, just straight up abusive mm-hmm. stuff, um, that was very unhealthy, but was under the veil of piety. It was under the veil of holiness and mm-hmm. so much becomes permissible under the under the the pursuit of holiness it, it's it becomes like it, it becomes this smoke screen for mm-hmm. to just for abuse and so i mm-hmm. i i'm hearing um kind of five primary cautions one is guruism the other mm-hmm. is unholier than thou the other mm-hmm. is um Self, you know, self-flagellation. The mm-hmm. other is dogma, and the other is mm-hmm. shame, and mm-hmm. these are all very real pitfalls in the formation of 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 a contemplative practice, or a ritual practice, or a monastic practice, or whatever combination thereof. Right, and and I think that I still probably. Am working through a lot of the internalization of these because I I have had uh, some pretty extraordinary experiences within a within a contemplative setting, but then with that almost always, in my experience, has almost always come a an element of coercion or abuse and it's mm-hmm. hard to separate those things out it's really mm-hmm. really hard
0: yeah and we've become so good at abusing ourselves and coercing ourselves like uh, once that Absolutely. that has been established uh we we run on autopilot too so
1: yeah yeah those tapes go really deep and so it, it's so easy to self flagellate um when it comes to this kind of stuff and so gurudom that's something that i'm particularly mm. interested in because of course I was in the yoga world. I cannot think of a single guru who wasn't in some way a despicable human being. There, mm-hmm. There's just something mm-hmm. about that culture that that encourages abusive, narcissistic, uh, mm-hmm. power hungry people to, to mm-hmm. become awful. And so that's I, I've seen it a lot and it's super gross and it's super destructive. Do you have any insights on on how to avoid gurudom? Like what are what are cultural safeguards or societal safeguards mm. that 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 we can have in place culturally to avoid gurudom?
0: Oh, I I wish I knew. Yeah, I wish I knew.
1: Well, it, because it's human nature almost. It, it's it, uh, it, it so these things crop up so often yes. in human nature, yes. and so it's yeah. really hard to have uh, good safeguards <laughs> against, yeah. against yeah.
0: that. And and the thing is, is we can't stop people from positioning themselves in gurus, especially with the current ecosystem for social media and the current ecosystem for information transfer, people will try to become gurus. Um, The only thing we can do is as a larger community um, be vocal about caution uh, about those things. We we can't stop people from being attracted to gurus either. Like, how, how do you stop that magnetism? There's a reason why guruism is a thing. <laughs> and I'm sure many communities would like to avoid it. I think the way we've shaped a lot of uh, TST practice, for example, the way we have services being so linear and non-hierarchical the way the communities are set up to be um, uh, very egalitarian and things like that. I think continuing to not only cultivate that and set up those frameworks, but to openly and vocally praise that and be like, oh, so good that we were talking all from the panel today and and things like that, like elevate each other and be very careful to make sure that the net is cast wide, that um, we're elevating many voices and take that as a sort of preventative measure against the attraction of gurus or the attraction of becoming a guru. Mm,
1: yeah, I love that. And also for me, one of the most helpful things for me to remember is being aware of a cognitive glitch does not actually make me less vulnerable to it somehow. Mm, goodness. And, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and so and just because I'm a Satanist who is anti-authoritarian who who is anti and just the it's, it's like this glitch is so pervasive that even be holding the values that I hold that doesn't mean that I should stop being careful. Mm -hmm. It's like the just because I know that I'm anti-authoritarian and I hold these values and I'm a Satanist and I'm aware of the propensity towards gurudom does not actually make me any any less vulnerable. And it, it kind of reminds me of. The rational community, you know, the eight, you know, hardcore atheist rationalists being falling down, you know, touting rationality and yeah. touting what they call anti tribalism. And then so mm-hmm. often falling down this this r- kind of right wing rabbit hole A- mm-hmm. and and, you know, the and they are aware of the cognitive glitches a lot Mm -hmm. of them are technically aware of the cognitive glitches and that awareness in and of itself does not keep them from falling down these really gross rabbit holes. And so awareness is not enough. It has to be more proactive. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I have to be Uh, proactively (laughs) anti-guru.
0: Yeah, proactively anti-guru and also... Uh, don't feel obligated that it always needs to be all on your shoulders all the time. There's uh, the importance of being able to prop each other up. Um, there's the importance of uh, active and open communication between people, uh, so that if someone's getting a little, little close to that edge, you can be like, "Hey, I, I heard the thing you said. I want to talk to you about that kind of thing." Uh, but you know, uh, um, have a not to be too much like, oh, community, community, because uh, we're, we're Satanists, we're hard individualists or what have you, um, but uh, the community and, and open conversation, sunlight, sunlight uh, fixes bad ideas. Sunlight on bad ideas is super helpful.
1: If we may quote the aforementioned gross right-wing atheists, sunlight... <laughs> Is the best disinfectant with the caveat of sometimes, (laughs) a lot of the time, (laughs) not all the time, but a lot of the time. (laughs) And so that that kind of open communication. And yeah, I completely agree with you that that I think the structure of TST kind of helps to mitigate a lot of the more toxic features of Mm -hmm. that, that we might find in contemplative life and and monasticism, by the way, I'm using the words contemplative and monastic interchangeably. I think Mm -hmm. I'm just now realizing that, would you say that that is an appropriate thing to, to, to conflate the two or not?
0: Um, I, I personally they're in the same basket, but they're not the same thing. Okay. But I don't see any any big issue. And like, um, if that for you is what your practice looks like, absolutely. Like, uh, yeah. define thyself. Like, go go nuts.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I've been thinking about what might, what maybe, what is a starting point for exploring monasticism. Within a satanic setting, and I and I came up with this very basic three-point formula. Okay, so I was I'm a I'm a former uh, Protestant, come out of the Calvinist tradition. Mm-hmm. We love our points, so this <laughs> is this is my three-point formula <laughs> uh-huh, for uh-huh. for beginning. And but it's but it's like pirate code. It's more of a suggestion than a than a rule. Right. So keep keep that in mind. So Mm -hmm. step one would be exploring a boundary. Now, this boundary can be literally anything under the sun. It can be a boundary of, okay at this particular time of day, I'm just going to turn off my technology and I'm going to go for a walk. Or it can be, you know what I am. I am done interacting with uh, a particular type of person. So I'm going mm-hmm. to put a boundary there or maybe mm-hmm. I' I'm, I'm getting overwhelmed with social media. So I'm going to remove social media from my phone. Mm-hmm. So we have a boundary and that can literally be anything under the sun. It can be mm-hmm. it, 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 it is an individually tailored boundary. So that's step one. And then step two would be a practice. Now, this can be literally any practice under the sun. It can be some kind of kink. It can be some kind of ritual. It can be some kind of meditation. It can be some kind of, you know, just mm-hmm. reading in the evening. It can be literally any anything under the sun. So, So step one would be find a boundary. Step two would be find a practice. And then step three is a duration and so we could say i'm doing it just for this weekend or we could say i'm doing this for the next year or we could say i'm doing it for the next 6 months or the next week or whatever and that's it that would mm-hmm. and, and i and that might be those three steps find a boundary find a practice for a duration of time and that's it and it can be any variable Within any of those three slots, but and so it it provides a structure, but it's Mm -hmm. wide open. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And I don't know. What do you think of that? What do do you think of that as an entry point? And is there Mm -hmm. anything that you would Mm -hmm. subtract or add to that?
0: yeah well i'm gonna yes and you on this that uh i think the only thing that's missing is like usually they have these symbolic names like the golden path or something okay if i can just propose uh can we call it the the three-string banjo of satanic enlightenment yes (laughs) <laughs> the, <Something. laughs>
1: the the three-stringed banjo of it i'm here in appalachia in north carolina so i am down with that
0: all right all right to to sing your own tune towards uh, uh satanic <laughs> uh balance satanic yes. harmony so uh-huh. so
1: you have uh so you have those three strings but you can play whatever the fuck you want on those three strings
0: yes uh, perfect. yes as perfect. long as you're jamming on it yeah yeah, the
1: name that mm-hmm. I was coming up with was uh, way more boring, which was just the the Satanic Monastic <laughs> Pledge. But I, oh okay, okay, like, like you know that
0: makes more sense. Yeah. And
1: so you know, b- b- I I like the the three stringed banjo of Satanic Monasticism <laughs> more. Um, but then maybe you could initiate the the banjo pledge banjo Mm. slash pledge with a ritual, with a small ritual. If they Mm -hmm. want to do Mm -hmm. that kind of an initiation ritual or, or a starting ritual. I know that sober faction, which has some gorgeous rituals. uh, They have, they have a kind of a starting ritual in, Mm -hmm. uh, in sober faction to begin the Mm -hmm. seven rituals, which is for people who are not in the know. Sober faction is our sobriety uh, community within, TST. Yeah. Yeah. Sober faction is fucking awesome. And anyone who is interested in that should go listen to my interview with Jody and uh, 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 John Eldridge, um, who are the directors. And it's just a beautiful program. So for people who are who are into ritual, they could initiate it with a, with mm-hmm. a little ritual.
0: Well, so uh, the way I'm, I'm thinking about if if someone were to ask me, how do I start incorporating uh, uh, monasticism or some sort of conceptualization of monasticism into my practice? A lot of uh, monasticism, as you know, starts with like a novice level or there's like degrees of entry. And I think a lot of the degrees of entry and existing forms of monasticism or in early monasticism uh, don't have any big jumps. Uh, you're really literally just doing the same stuff you you normally do it's just you've crossed crossed a threshold into understanding it differently mm. so if I were to do uh, a, a mod uh, like a version of the the 3 string banjo of satanic enlightenment just coin that right now um, uh, I would say pick something Uh that you're already doing that's positive and start doing it intentionally. So anything that you're already doing that you feel like this is a thing I want to hold on to, make it intentional and then amplify it anyway, as like string number two, and then to get that, that whole chord a reflect and adjust so that there's no necessary uh, pledge or no necessarily uh, bond or vow or something like that. There's many monastic orders that require absolutely no vows You are different monastic practices where you know when you're crossing that threshold, you you can mark it if you want, you don't have to, um, but that reflect and adjust as being part of the amplification process, part of the intentionality process. And I think that also, like you said, to keep it open and, and have the whole range, what you want to play with it is whatever you want um, but really focus on the what's already working for you, what are you already doing? Use that as an anchor point rather than adding or subtracting. Sometimes that can be super stressful for folks um, to try it, it, to remember
1: yeah and and it can definitely become overwhelming really fast mm. and so mm. maybe an example here so i'm i'm already a reader i already you know read a lot it's one of my primary forms of of uh, entertainment so and then i also you know try to shut down my all my technology uh in the evening for at least an hour before bed because uh, mm-hmm. you know I'm very 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 sensitive to light and so if I'm looking at my phone or whatever it I will not sleep period and so mm-hmm. I have to have that wind down period and so this is something that mm-hmm. I know about myself and so uh, it, it, but this is already like a pre-existing thing in my life right this is already something that that I'm working towards or it's in my life to a certain degree well maybe with the uh three stringed banjo satanic monastic pledge, I I would take this thing that is already present in my life and become more aware and intentional about it. And so the boundary could be, okay, well, every night at 11 p.m., I'm going to attempt to kind of put put the gaming away or put YouTube away or email or whatever it is. And so that would be the boundary. And then the practice would be, okay, I'm going to read for 30 minutes to an hour, which is something that I already do, but this is just kind of becoming more intentional about it. And then the duration, uh, let's just say, you know, for the rest of March right and then it's like at the end of march i could revisit it revisit this and mm-hmm. see if it's actually mm-hmm. working is it working or not mm-hmm. okay well it's time to update it uh, mm-hmm. if it isn't working you know then then we can tinker around with it see what works and what doesn't work um and so it's like a pre-existing thing in my life that i'm just bringing kind of greater awareness and intentionality mm-hmm. to i'm fine-tuning it but yeah um say I am someone maybe more prone towards a uh, certain obsessive compulsive, dis- mm-hmm. you know, obsessive compulsive uh, mm-hmm. proclivities. This might actually not be good for me. This might not oh, be, yeah. this yeah. might not be healthy for me. And so I've had friends who are, mm-hmm. uh, who, whose ritual practice does not interact well uh, mm-hmm. with their, whatever version of neurodiversity that they have mm-hmm. and Definitely. so in that case uh maybe not putting the framework <laughs> of mm-hmm. of the three-stringed mm-hmm. banjo pledge uh yeah. would would be appropriate
0: we could also have the uh the single drumhead djembe of satanic enlightenment where you have just like A moment where you do the thing and that is your practice and it's over and it's done. And you can do it as many times as you want, as few times as you want. At any point you can beat out a rhythm on it or what have you. Um, I think the only thing is it needs to be consciously separate from whatever you're normally doing, but we can uh, have as many different varieties as there are monasticisms. There's definitely no single single path uh, one ring to rule them all kind of approach
1: absolutely well i think that's a great note to end on this has been a fantastic conversation and i think that there's so much more to explore here this is something that is a passion of mine and um i would love to have you on again to talk more about this and uh maybe we could explore the you know we can explore this more one of the exciting things about being a satanist is that we get to invent it we get to create it as we go along and that's one of the most exciting things about being in a new religious movement is we get to create the religion that we want to see in the world so this is just another aspect of creating the religion that we want to see in the world so yeah
0: definitely i'm so glad that that we're doing it and i'm so glad that you have a platform a public platform where you can be vocal and conscious about um conversations about this it's invaluable to to the community and to the development of rtst religion
1: awesome thank you so much all right well that is it for this show the theme song is wild by eleven seven. you can find it on apple music or spotify or wherever you listen to music this show is written produced and edited by me stephen bradford long and it is a production of rock candy recordings as always hail satan and thanks for listening